fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Holy cow, man. Way to come back from the New Year. It's 2023. Welcome into it. Happy New Year. We are back at it, ready to rock and roll better than ever before. We are broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station, plus TV, plus live streaming, podcasting, multiple radio stations all over the place. Welcome and great to have you along for the ride today, your millennial general reporting for duty again for 2023 right here on The Voice of Reason. Thanks for hanging out with us. Boy, do we have a show lined up for you today to kick off. I think the best way to kick off the new year is to have on a major guest, which we're going to do here and just a little bit, Darren Beatty, he is the author of the January 6th report. You also may remember him as being the former speechwriter for former President Donald Trump. He'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk about the ending of the January 6th committee and what to look forward to from the Republican majority House of Representatives coming up in just a little bit. Which, speaking of, today's the best day to do this, too. Why the heck not? We have right now going into vote number four for the Speaker of the House. As they are, let's check in real quick. Let's do it live here, shall we? They're ch- oh, okay. Nope, they're just standing around talking. Three votes down already, and Kevin McCarthy has not received the majority of the votes to become Speaker of the House. What does that mean? I think this is the perfect day to jump right into it and break down what's going on in Washington. The perfect day to come back on radio. Perfect day. We get a civics lesson today which is kind of awesome. So welcome into a first and foremost, Happy New Year to you. Welcome 2023. Hopefully you had a wonderful holiday for both Christmas and for New Year's. I know it's hard to get back into the swing of things for the holidays and after the holidays and trying to do a full-on week, which thank God that we don't have a full-on week. Today is Tuesday. You can take a breath. You already made it through Monday. It's just downhill from here. And then you can get into full swing again next week for the full uh, first full week of the year. Uh, today is the vote for the Speaker of the House, the transition of power as individuals are starting to be sworn in and we figure out who is going to lead the House of Representatives. And so far, we do not have anybody. Now, first and foremost, a little bit of a background for you, and this according to uh, C-SPAN, as I was watching them earlier today on the YouTube, watching the votes going on, and they were jumping in and kind of giving some commentary. The last time that we didn't have a vote right out of the get-go for the very first round of voting for Speaker of the House was literally 100 years ago in 1923 when they had to go through nine separate ballots in order to find their Speaker of the House. The longest one was prior to the Civil War in 1855 when it took them two months and 133 ballots to go through to find their Speaker of the House. Now, what does that mean? First off, I like the symmetry of the 100 years ago from 1923 when we had nine different ballots. I wonder if this is a sign of what 2023 is going to look like for us as we go into the year first and foremost as kind of the unorthodox chaos that we weren't necessarily anticipating. I guess we kind of were anticipating it. But overall, it's kind of an interesting number how just 100 years ago was the last time that we actually had this happen. As Kevin McCarthy, the Republican from California, a bit on the moderate side, Definitely an establishment guy. Go with the flow. Go with the system. Use the system to your advantage. Don't try and shake up the system a whole lot. Side with Donald Trump when you wanted to. Don't side with Donald Trump when you don't want to. Just kind of go along with whatever the status quo is in government in Washington, D.C. to not rattle the boat. That Kevin McCarthy thinks that he is entitled to the Speaker of the House. 
And there are specifically, which is really funny, 19, actually the last vote, the vote that just ended with the third vote, 20 now Republicans that did not vote for Kevin McCarthy, therefore not giving him the majority that is needed. 212 have united for the Democrat side to vote for Joaquin Jeffries as they have put up their alternative. Is he going to get it? More than likely not, although there is a slight concern for that. What does this mean? That means we're starting off 2023 with a conservative branch of the Republican Party, the conservative sect of the Republican Party, the conservative caucus, whether it's the MAGA movement, whether it's the, uh, what was it before, the Tea Party movement, the conservatives that are in there trying to change the system from within, which I applaud you and congratulations on trying to do so. Are you going to be victorious? Maybe you can make a few little wins here. They're standing up finally and saying, no, we're not going to just go with the status quo. We're not going to do just what you tell us to do. We're not just going to go along with whatever you say because that's the way it needs to be. Who in the world made Kevin McCarthy the one that's going to be the end-all, be-all, and that's it? Now, he was the Republican leaders in the House prior, so historically, he would become the Speaker of the House. But why? We don't have to. Why do we have to go with the tradition of the same old, same old every single time? Conservatives say, no, hold on a second. Let's actually push ourselves a little bit further to the right. Is it going to do much? I don't know. We still have a Democrat Senate. We still have a Democrat presidency. We still have a long, uh, a, a, a large number of moderate Republicans in the House of Representatives that are more than likely going to cave when pressure gets put on them by Democrats when they stall things in government and they stop things from happening. They're going to still cave and go to the other side. But why not begin to make the changes now and expose the corruption for what it is which is corruption. They don't like that, and that's right right now. The establishment is in a little bit of a panic in Washington, D.C., and it's the perfect way to kick off a brand new year with a little bit of a civics lesson, as this was just about an hour ago. I want to stop that audio because right now they're not doing anything. Right now, this was the vote from just about an hour ago from the end of round number two. The tellers agree in their tallies that the total number of votes cast is 434 of which the Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received 212. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received 203. The Honorable Jim Jordan of the state of Ohio has received 19. No person having received the majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. For those of you that may be scratching your heads and say, wait a second, did I just hear that Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, actually received more votes than Kevin McCarthy? Yes, you did. You did hear that right. Because right now, Democrats have 212 in the House of Representatives, and they all united between them. And the only concern that we have is if they are able to win over a few rhino establishment moderate Republicans to switch over and go with the Democrats to become Speaker of the House, and as if they vote Democrat. It's unlikely, but there is a slim possibility of that, which means until then, 
until they either, either win over the majority or the moderate Republicans to flip Democrats or we all unite behind what it sounds like Kevin McCarthy. We're going to continue on this stagnation over and over and over until a deal is made. Now, uh, Representative and Congresswoman Lauren Boebert said right before the voting began just a few hours ago that there was a deal on the table between conservatives and Kevin McCarthy that included some additional leadership positions for conservatives, a little bit more influence for conservatives within the Republican Party and the House of Representatives as a whole, and Kevin McCarthy rejected that deal. Why? I don't know. I really don't know why he rejected that deal other than thinking that we need to go moderate, go with the flow, keep the peace, don't rock the boat. Unfortunately for Kevin McCarthy, in that round number two, he received 300 or 203 votes. In round number three that just ended, he lost one, went down to 202, and Jim Jordan went up to 20 votes up from the 19 that he received the first two votes. Now we have to be very careful and clarify here that Jim Jordan has openly endorsed and voted for Kevin McCarthy and does not want the Speaker of the House position, but conservatives have rallied behind him as the alternative just to create the conversation and the dialogue by creating a third-party option, so to speak, with, excuse me, with Jim Jordan. After Now, here's for the civics lesson for you if you're not familiar with the process. They continue to go, we could go months without a Speaker of the House. We could go weeks without a Speaker of the House. As we mentioned, the longest one that lasted was two months back in 1855, where they did 133 ballots. We're on ballot number, they're certifying ballot number three right now before they go into ballot number four here relatively soon. Chip Roy, after they lose it, then they go up, they nominate their people again. Chip Roy is the one that officially nominated Jim Jordan for round number three, and this is what he had to say just a few minutes ago. For what purpose does a gentleman from Texas seek recognition? Seek place a name and a nomination, Speaker. The gentleman is recognized. So this is what the chamber looks like when we're actually debating and the bodies are in the chairs. How many times have we been down here giving speeches and there's not a soul in the chamber? Yet this is what it takes to get 440, 435 people in the chamber and have an actual debate. The American people are watching, and that's a good thing. What we're doing is exercising our rights to vote and have a debate and have a discussion about the future of this country through the decision of choosing a speaker. This is not personal. It's not. This is about the future of the country. This is about the direction of the country. American people who are looking at this body and wondering why we can pass $1.7 trillion bills that are unpaid for. They can just slide in $45 billion for Ukraine but not pay for it. $40 billion for emergency spending and not pay for it. 10% increase in defense spending. 6% increase in non-defense spending and not pay for it. And not do a thing except put language in a bill that prohibits our ability to use the money to secure the border. All right, he goes on to officially announce Jim Jordan as the uh, candidate for Speaker of the House. Here's the message that I think Kevin McCarthy is getting from here, and hopefully Democrats as well. Listen up closely. Kevin McCarthy, you will become Speaker of the House, and conservatives eventually will go along with you. You need to give a little bit to, for conservatives. What I find absolutely ironic is that conservatives win overwhelmingly in their districts in the House representatives all over the country because people are upset with what Chip Roy just mentioned about inflation, about the border, about spending, about the military, about government social programs, about the expansion of the government, about the fourth branch of the government, meaning the bureaucratic agencies, and so on and so forth. 
we pass these conservatives to go in and change things. And then once they get in there, it seems like the conservatives, along with the libertarians, and I lump you in as well because we're kind of fighting the same uh, same, uh, battle here. So help us out there, buddies, meaning libertarians. Once we get into power, we have to fight tooth and nail to get an inch of our agenda because the majority of Republicans at the federal level just go with the flow as the establishment rhinos. We need to do this just to play nice. To you know, we're going to cave because Democrats are threatening to shut down the government. Then it's going to be our fault, and it's going to look bad public publicly when the media comes after us, and the president's going to go after us. Oh my gosh! Here's what this is saying: starting off a brand new year, is that Republicans aren't going to do it anymore. The conservative caucus within the Republican umbrella is not going to stand back and be the punching bag any longer to vote in, say the good things, but not actually fight to do the good things. They are now going to be the rabble rousers. Donald Trump is not in there to overturn the tables and cause havoc in D.C. anymore and expose the backdoor deals and the smoke-filled rooms and the establishment. It is now the conservatives that are doing that within Congress. Why does it have to be such a fight for them to fight for their own interests? And why is it bad? For conservatives to fight for their own interests. Progressives do it. AOC does it. The general Democrat Party and the Republican Party fight for their own interests. But conservatives, they're the ones that are demonized every time that they try to fight for their interests to gain a little bit more influence in D.C. And they're the ones demonized from all sides, including their own side, on why they don't shut up and get in line. I applaud these guys. Good for you. Keep up the fight. Let's do this thing. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. There's so much to talk about. So little time. And this is the big one to kick off 2023. The chaos ensuing in Washington, D.C. I was watching Kevin McCarthy on the live video feed as they were doing this third roll call voting. So for those that don't know the process, and again, this is a great civic lesson for us to kick off the new year here. Every roll call... They're all in the chamber, and the ones up at the podium call out each name individually, and they yell out who they vote for. This is not a secret ballot. This is not the one where they go up and actually drop the name in there and do it. They actually do the roll call vote by yelling it out in the chamber for all to hear. And Chip Roy was absolutely right. I loved what he had to say, and we can continue on. He spoke for about four minutes about the disaster of Washington, D.C., trying to change things a little bit, stopping the status quo, shaking up the system a little bit. It's great to listen to. It's very heartwarming, and that's why they're doing it. And again, uh, Kevin McCarthy has lost one more, going from 19 uh, to 20 votes now for Jim Jordan. McCarthy now down to 202. Again, they will come around to Kevin McCarthy, but it will be done in uh, their fashion when they come to an agreement that will give conservatives, hopefully, a little bit more edge and say in the House of Representatives. The only concern, this could go on for months, and I would be totally okay with that. The only concern that we have are how many rhino establishment moderate hack Republicans are willing to flip over to vote for the Democrat Speaker of the House with a Republican majority and give him the few more that's needed in order to become Speaker, and then we end up sabotaging ourselves. I wouldn't put it past a few of the Republicans. It would be unfortunate, but I wouldn't put it past them. 
Steve Scalise, on the other hand, when he did the official nomination again for Jim Jordan for that third round of voting, which I am a fan of Steve Scalise, and we've had him on the program before, this is what he had to say, trying to unite the Republican Party as they say they're in it for the long haul, no matter how long it takes. Madam Clerk, I rise to nominate Kevin McCarthy for the position of Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. The gentleman is recognized. Thank you, Madam Clerk. We all came here to get things done, to get big things done, to solve the problems. And I hope when we get through today that all of the members on both sides of the aisle will join together with us to solve the problems, to address inflation that is crushing middle-class families, to get control over spending that's driving that inflation, Madam Clerk. Will the House be in order? All right, he goes on to talk about the issues. And look, I agree. What Steve, uh, what Steve Scalise said, I agree to get inflation under control, to get spending under control, to get the military under control, to get some of the social programs under control, to get the border under control. We get it. I don't think that's the issue for many conservatives. I think the issue, personally, for many conservatives and their holdout for Kevin McCarthy is what we've said for months on this program, is the fact that when the pressure comes down and Democrats in the Senate, who still have a majority there, pass a outlandishly left-wing socialist bill out of the Senate that sits in the House representatives, and then the Senate, along with the Democrat president of Joe Biden, comes down on the House representatives and Kevin McCarthy and says, either you support this or the government will shut down and you will be at fault for not working across the aisle. You will be at fault for not standing up and working together and holding hands and singing kumbaya and coming up with a bipartisan plan. You will be at fault. And the Democrats will say it. And the press releases from the government will say it. And the mainstream media will say it. In that situation, which we know will happen, will Kevin McCarthy have the strength and have the backbone to stand up and say, no, that's not how this is going. We're open to negotiating, but we're not open to going that extreme, and we will not cave and then have a few of the rhino establishment hack Republicans to go to the other side to pass it while the conservatives vote against it. They get their prop to say, no, we tried to stop it. The other Republicans said, yeah, we had to do it or else the government would shut down. And then we see the same story over and over again. Aren't you tired of reading that book? I'm tired of reading that one to my little girl. I want to read a new book. I want to read a new book that says, hey, we stopped the shenanigans. We stopped the trend. We stopped the same old, same old. We're doing something different. And now we can see some real progress out of Washington, D.C. That sounds like a good book to me. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right, you're our reason, common sense, rationale. Holy cow, that's the way to start off a brand new year for 2023. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one. Radio listener at a time, multiple radio stations all over the country, plus TV, plus live streaming and podcasting, which I want to thank you. We'll get into some of those numbers in a year in review for the program in just a little bit. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride. So we're going to getting ready for vote number four for the Speaker of the House. Let this roll on for a while, man. 
Let them shake in the boots. It's kind of fun to watch. As the last vote, McCarthy got 202, Jeffries at 212, and Jim Jordan went up one at 20 votes, which was 19 for the first two. So uh, they'll verify that one and lock it in here shortly. They'll get ready for vote number four. I don't want to waste any time. Really honored to have this guy. Talk about kicking off the new year with a bang with our brand new guest on the show. What's trending today? What's trending today? As you know, today is the transition with newly elected House members going in, the Republicans taking over, Nancy Pelosi on the way out. And as we try and uh, debate on who's going to become Speaker of the House, there's also some other changes going on in Washington, D.C. as well, including the ending and the dissolving of the January 6th committee. Where did we leave off and what happened and what's going to happen moving forward after that recommendation to the Attorney General's office. Excited to have on the program, he is the author of the book, The January 6th Report, the report of the Select Committee to Investigate the January 6th Attack on the United States Capitol. He's also founder of Revolver News, and he's former speechwriter for former President Donald J. Trump. Excited to have on the program here with us, Mr. Darren Beatty. Darren, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on very, very much. It's an honor to talk to you. Real quickly, i got to get your thoughts on this vote for Speaker of the House. The last time that they didn't pass it on round number one was back in 1923, 100 years ago. I think the symbolism's there 100 years ago, and now we're trying to bicker amongst the Republican Party. Seems normal for us. What's your thoughts on this? Well, I would say never underestimate the great Congressman Gates, who's been leading the charge on this. Um, And, you know, my ultimate sense is, you know, I've done all this reporting on January 6th. Revolver.news is really the news outlet that's broken the story of the Fed's erection, the federal government's involvement in January 6th. I have a wish list of subpoenas that I would like to see implemented in the new Congress. And so my top priority, whether it's Kevin McCarthy, whether it's um, Jim Jordan, whether it's George Santos, (laughs) ultimately, I don't really care. I want what I want is for the leadership to implement this subpoena power. But at the same time, I'm really impressed with what Matt Gates has been doing specifically and it's also kind of nice to see these people squirm because these Kevin McCarthy types, they might actually do something good kicking and screaming if they're drag kicking and screaming. Yeah. But ultimately, their default will always be um, to just sit around and do nothing and collect, you know, collect big paychecks uh, because they do nothing. So I'm not a big fan of McCarthy, frankly, but if he has to be the guy, then we just have to bully him into doing the right thing if, if if that's what it comes to. Yeah, and I think that's what they're doing. I think he will become Speaker of the House at the end of the day, but conservatives have tried to negotiate with him to get more influence in committees for certain investigations, for more power on the House representatives' floor, and say, hey, work with conservatives here, because at least for me, my biggest concern is, is when Democrats propose a bill in the Senate and send it to the House, then Democrats there and the president will all come down and say either Republicans, quote-unquote, compromise and worked across the aisle and work in a bipartisan manner to get this done or else you're the worst people on the face of the earth the media goes after them as well and then mccarthy and all those types of the moderates cave and then we see the same old same old where we see 10 republicans vote with democrats to get something done and then we still see the same trek down the road of big government and i think people are concerned and if we can influence him a little bit more on the conservative side then i think that's a positive thing um, yeah, and it, like I said, like none of these people want to do anything for the American people. Like I don't think 
you know, I've been around Washington enough and, you know, when I, when I see people and I talk to people, I think a lot of your listeners really need to let it sink in to their bone marrow, just how little, just how little these people representing them actually give a damn about them in their lives. Mm. Like it's, it's really amazing. They really don't care. And so, um, which is why like they're, you know, it's like what Trump said in one of his inauguration speeches, like their victories are not your victories. These are not, <laughs> you know, it, it might be interesting as a kind of spectator sport or whatever. And they're, you know, it's possible that if given an intense amount of bullying, that maybe they could be forced to do the right thing here or there. Um, but it's just, unfortunately, and this is a bigger conversation in other contexts, the GOP, the right, it's just not an infra- doesn't have an infrastructure that's set up to win. And that's a problem that goes much deeper than, you know, whatever kind of, you know, empty suit mediocrity becomes the, the speaker, you know. Yeah, and it's perfect because it bleeds right into your topic here with the January 6th, your book, the January 6th reports. Obviously, it's dissolved, which I have to say, I think one of the best pieces of news we could get for 2023 is the end of Liz Cheney in Washington, D.C. and heading up that uh, committee on the January 6th. But where did we end with this? And will anything come out from this? Well, I encourage everyone to go and read revolver.news's coverage on January 6th, the Fed's erection, this individual called Ray Epps. I actually just uh, published an uh, interview, phone conversation I had with Trump when we go into the Fed's erection and Epps extensively gossip a little bit about Michael Jackson, but that's another story, some interesting stuff about Michael Jackson. Um, But the January 6th committee was simply not set up to be an objective, disinterested, fact-finding vehicle to get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th. I go into this in my introduction to the Skyhorse version of the January 6th committee report, which has been released to gr- the great consternation of the, of the fake media. And really, it wasn't set up to be objective because Benny Thompson, who's its chair, he sued Trump in his personal capacity um, before the committee existed. And the lawsuit um, puts forth a specific theory of the January 6th event in which, of course, Trump is the chief villain and um, criminally culpable. Um, and that's almost exactly reproduced in the findings of J6 committee. You would think the existence of this lawsuit would pose a kind of conflict of interest, but not really. So we get into this, like the pedigree of the committee as a kind of extension of the impeachment process which is interesting as a matter of historical record, but the really juicy and really dark stuff is frankly the questions that they didn't ask. The questions that the committee was set up specifically to obfuscate and deflect from. And those are the questions that pertain to the really dark aspect of things. A lot of people find deeply uncomfortable and hard to swallow, and that gets into our own government's role in instigating January 6th and playing a critical role in allowing for this rally to turn into a riot. And that's the subject of Revolver News's reporting. And that's what's kind of changed the national conversation on this. And that's what I get into very extensively in this Skyhorse introduction to the committee report. 
Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that we need to remi- remind ourselves of what the duty of Congress actually is, and it's not to try and go into the political drama and personal drama of an individual. I lost interest of it and knew it was a complete farce after we saw Cassidy Hutchinson go on there and talk about how Donald Trump was going after the clavicles of uh, Secret Service agents while in the limo and tried to direct them and grab the steering wheel of the motorcade yeah. in order to take them. That was that just makes you shake your head and like, wow, how far-fetched will they do? be in this committee just to try and get a story it drove me nuts well i mean that was one of many incredibly stupid things i mean the thing <laughs> is that, that they had the other secret service agents who were ready on hand to be to be interrogated instead they asked this lady who wasn't even a first-hand witness to these things they had the first-hand witnesses at their disposal they didn't think to do that and of course none of these complications would actually be addressed publicly because there's no cross-examination process because the whole proceeding was set up as a publicity stunt to facilitate this extended impeachment process against Trump to cripple Trump politically. It wasn't about getting to the bottom of January 6th. It was about um, trying for the millionth time to finally Get rid of this nuisance Trump, which has caused so many headaches for the corrupt, degenerate, mediocre, and frankly, illegitimate um, characters that uh, run the country at the moment. So what it's about, we're talking with Darren Beatty, author of the book, The January 6th Report, former speechwriter for former President Donald Trump and founder of Revolver News, which you can find online at revolver.news as well. we got just about a minute left here, Darren, and I appreciate the time very much with you. But do you think that there's going to be anything further from the AG's office now that it's been turned over to them? You know, that's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. I don't have any special insight to that. Gun to the head, my sense would be no, just because I don't think they really need that, but they like the idea of it hanging over Trump's head as a possibility to potentially influence his behavior during his candidacy for president. They always love having that uh, dangling carrot right above them, and especially with him going into the presidential election of next year, they're going to use that as much as possible. Darren, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. God bless you. Keep up the fight with your Revolver News and with this book. We'd love to get you back on the show again real soon, my friend. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate that very much. All right, we'll take a break. We'll cover and uh, kind of break down some of what we just talked about with Darren. We appreciate his time very much as the end of an era. The January 6th report is done. Finito. Zero. And what came out of it? A whole lot of nothing. What will come out of it? Probably a whole lot of nothing as well. But who knows? Donald Trump gets the nomination for the Republicans in 2024. (laughs) You can imagine between the quote-unquote tax fraud and the January 6th committee's uh, encouragement to go after him. You can imagine what the media is going to say during that entire time. Does it cause more friction or does it cause more uniting of the Republican Party? We'll do some more of that when we come back. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show for a Tuesday. I keep wanting to say Monday today. It's a Tuesday. You've already made it through your Monday. Almost halfway through the week already. Can we be optimistic like that? You know we are the eternal optimists on this show. Welcome back into it. Thanks again to Darren Beatty coming on the program. He is former speechwriter for Donald J. Trump in the Trump administration. 
also author of his book, The January 6th Report, and founder of Revolver News, which you can find online again at revolver.news. And check out the great content there. So while we were talking with him, the news broke that the House of Representatives has adjourned for the night. Wait, what? What are you talking about? They've adjourned for the night at the request of Representative Tom Cole from the state of Oklahoma. One of those that I believe was the one that had been pushing for Jim Jordan and the alternative from Kevin McCarthy. They are set to reconvene tomorrow at noon. Come on, man. It's your first day back. It's like going to work and working a half a day and your job's still not done. Then be like, all right, I'm on. I'll continue tomorrow in the middle at noon, in the middle of the day. Make them sweat a little bit. Make them work a little bit. What do you think? They should be there till 10 o'clock tonight doing 20 different rounds of voting to make Kevin McCarthy frustrated and angry and sweating. There is. A, it's funny watching the New York Times looking at some of this as they're giving the blips online about kind of where the conversation is right now, where according to some readers of the New York Times and commenters on the interweb, they say some readers have asked whether centrist Democrats could come to McCarthy's aid in hopes of fending off more conservative speakers. The reality is the Democrats have little interest to bail out McCarthy, particularly given his leadership around the January 6th attack on the Capitol, and just as Republicans would fear the political consequences of voting to hand over power to a leader of the opposing party, so would Democrats. That would be an interesting concept, though. I doubt it. The Democrats are lock in step, and just as uh, Darren mentioned during the interview that we did in the last segment, that Republicans don't have the structure that Democrats do. If you remember, Democrats have the top-down structure, Nancy Pelosi, the top tier that create, and then it goes down. The Democrats fall in line. They fall in step. They just vote the way they're supposed to vote, and that's it. There's no diversion between that. The first time we really saw diversion happen in the Democrat Party was when we saw the presidential race of 2016. And we saw multiple Democrats come out of the woodworks and actually get on that debate stage to run for president. That was the first time that's happened in a very long time and was as nasty as it was. We had never heard members of the Democrat Party call out other members of the Democrat Party for being racist or being bigoted or being close-minded. You had Kamala Harris calling out Joe Biden being a racist, which conveniently led her to be vice president of the United States. You had Tulsi Gabbard calling out Kamala Harris for being a slave driver for all the inmates in the state of California, and it was fun to watch. They called them out. They had differing opinions. You had the moderate Democrats, which were complete shocking to be on stage with the rest of them. You had Andrew Yang talking about universal basic income. For the first time, you had Democrats that were actually talking about different ideas and disagreed. Now, they're lockstep. Hold on. I'm still uh, battling my cold from over the weekend, and I hate that you get that tingle in your throat. Nonetheless... We have now the Democrats that are locks in step voting for this Jeffries with 212 votes. The Republicans don't have that type of structure because we have the establishment large umbrella that continues to vote for McCarthy. And then you got the, the conservative sect of it that is trying to stand up and actually have some sort of voice, actually have some sort of influence in the party. The structure needs to be there for us to be uh, impactful, beneficial, and actually be able to promote certain things in Washington, D.C. And until we have that, we're going to see continuously what we're seeing right now. Where the conservatives may be able to try to at least have some sort of influence for now, be able to stall things a little bit, delay things a little bit. But at the end of the day, we have to have a Republican speaker, and Kevin McCarthy is going to be the best chance for that at the end 
uh, of all this when it's all said and done. Whether it's tomorrow or whether it's two months from now, it's going to happen. It's whether we can pull him along with us to do a few conservative things at the end of the day. And that's, I think, all they're hoping for. I think that's all they want. That's all they're looking for. Let us have some influence. Let's get us back on track a little bit to say to our constituents when we go home at the end of the day and we have our town hall meetings that we did something beneficial, that we did something productive, and we can do some sort of good in Washington, D.C. Until then, sounds like we're going to have vote number four tomorrow in the House Representatives tomorrow at noon. We'll stay on top of it as it continues on tomorrow on the program. Until then, though, thanks again for hanging out. Happy New Year to you. We got a laundry list of things to get to throughout this month, this week, and this year. Until then, be your own catalyst for change. Be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.